the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain. Now today, uh, very pleased to welcome to the studio, Henji Wang. Welcome along, Henji. How are you? Good, thank you. Yourself? Great. Um, now, maybe you can just uh, fill our listeners in on where you fit into this big, wide world of uh, technology. What's what's your role? What do you do? Sure. I'm Henji. I'm the CEO, co-founder of Kami. Kami is a digital classroom platform. Uh, it helps kids all around the world, especially in the United States, to take their work, um, complete their work and collaborate with their teachers and improve their learning outcomes. Great. Well, I look forward to diving into that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but I guess the thing, whenever uh, Cami comes up in a conversation that uh, I think is pretty cool for a New Zealand startup is you've got you know, literally millions of users around the world. This is not, you know, something where you, you know, just started and you've got a, you know, a handful of users, but uh, yeah, it's really been adopted on a really broad scale, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we just, we're almost probably days away from hitting 8 million users. Wow. So that's exciting. You heard it first here. <laughs> that's so cool. Excellent. We'll look, look forward to diving into that. Um, before we do, let's look a little bit at the, the tech news of the week. Um, and I wanted to start uh, with looking at some of the uh, some of the sort of, I guess, big, uh, biggest, bigger story, uh, you know, highlights that have um, uh, attracted uh, my attention over the last uh, over the last few days. Um, first up was uh, talk that SpaceX are going to launch uh, private citizens into orbit. Now, this isn't – it is exciting. It's very cool. Uh, but it, I think it sounds like we're actually getting getting close to this being able to be a reality because I think it was maybe uh, supposed to happen maybe two or three years ago, you know, in terms of the, the original uh, suggestions from, uh, uh, from from Elon Musk. But, you know, that, that's, that's been pushed back. But, of course, now they're at the point uh, where they've been doing uh, – they've done en- enough, um, you know, test flights and, and cargo missions uh, up to the International uh, Space Station, you know, taking, uh, um, you know, things up there for, uh, for NASA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it looks like, uh, you know, SpaceX basically is just a few months away from uh, taking the first uh, U.S. astronauts um, up to the International Space Station, and then uh, you know they're they're going to be uh, moving. Um, you know, I imagine you know reasonably reasonably quickly in these sort of. I guess you know these time frames aren't usually that quick as far as uh, you know space is concerned, uh, but into uh, you know taking people up and um, uh, you know letting them uh, get up into space, which. Yeah, we've been waiting. I don't know how many years for uh, Virgin Virgin Galactic. You know, there's Kiwis that have been you know signed signed up for that. Yeah, um, two hundred dollars, two hundred thousand dollars a ticket, I think. Yeah, um, but it, but it might be that uh, you know SpaceX are, are going to be um, doing this sooner. Now, if you look at the cost of uh, putting their 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 Crew Dragon um, up. I mean, it's really big bucks to launch, you know, launch this stuff. Um, 
you know, certainly well into the ten, tens of millions. So uh, this, these are not going to be cheap, <laughs> cheap flights, and and I guess it, it will be a very uh, different you know kettle of fish to uh, what Virgin uh, Galactic uh, are, are doing, which is. You know, looks more like a, an like aeroplane a, that's going like to the ed- edge of space rather yeah. than, um, uh, you know, I, th- I think SpaceX, are, you know, they're, they're going right up there. To low off orbit. Yeah, yeah. 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 So um, pretty pretty exciting. I mean, it's a lot cheaper than the $80, $90 million they'd pay for the Soyuz, and that's per seat. Yes, yes, and that's true. Yeah, so yeah. I think SpaceX is like $50, 60000000 million per seat oh, and probably even cheaper if they really wanted nothing. to yeah <laughs> um now the um other other headline which is i guess what what's one thing that's possible today uh is is jetpacks and uh, there's been a bit of footage online of this guy um uh, vince reffitt um who set a, an altitude record in uh, D- Dubai in the last uh, uh, last last few days? And uh, yeah, he's just such a cool uh, jetpack. It, I mean, basically, you know, makes him look like an aeroplane with these wings on his back and uh, <laughs> jets. It's it's uh, just nuts. Going you know well over two hundred k's an hour. Jesus, crazy. Um, so um, yeah, pretty pretty uh, pretty cool. Um, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think the um, you know uh, Martin jetpack didn't uh, you know didn't quite get there commercially. I, you know, I don't know whether some of these other other products you know are ultimately going to be viable businesses, but it's certainly pretty cool seeing the technology work and you know with people attached and the people surviving. Uh, I think in this case he had to land um, you know with a parachute, so it's not quite there in terms of. Uh, landing yet, but uh, yeah, it's all, all moving along uh, nicely. Now, uh, coronavirus or uh, COVID nineteen is is causing all sorts of uh, havoc, and one of the um, things that we've learned to expect is supply uh, shortages, and Apple have um, you know come out and and indicated. That there's there's going to be some um, you know some challenges in those regards. Mm-hmm. I think you know, anybody involved in acquiring technology should be you know mindful over the next little while if you you know if you need you know physical hardware laptops yeah. or, or anything. Um, the large majority of that comes out of out of China. I mean anything out of China. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's 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 possibly going to be uh, going to be impacted. Um, now, look, you know, for for China's economy's sake, we you know we hope uh, that the impact isn't too much, but the, you know there'll be a flow on to you know all sorts, uh, you know, if we can't get our hands on uh, hardware as as we need it. So, certainly something to be mindful of, but don't go nuts and order a whole lot of stuff because then there'll be order a bunch of iPhones, none for anybody else. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, I guess it's that sort of panic buying that's that's created issues with. Uh, you know, getting um, you know face masks and hazmat suits and yeah. uh, you know uh, hand sanitizers and so on as well, right? Um, but um, fortunately, New, New Zealand hasn't been uh, hasn't been drawn in uh, with any infections at this stage, which is um, is, is encouraging. Um, well, not on New Zealand soil anyway. Um, and then the uh, the last thing and sort of the the quick highlights that. Um, 
caught my attention is uh, Microsoft with their uh, Defender, uh, which is their uh, um antivirus, anti-malware uh, uh, software, which, of course, started out as sort of a freebie bundled into to Windows. And mm-hmm. you know, it really took Microsoft many, many years. And I think a lot of antivirus vendors in the in the early days sort of you know presumed Microsoft might you know come into their space. It did, it did take a very long time to happen. Uh, now Microsoft are, are really in a, in a place where... Uh, their, their uh, window, well, what, what started out as, as Windows Defender uh, is an important part of their subscription revenue streams. And uh, now it's uh, it's coming to uh, iOS and Android, already available on Windows and uh, and Mac. And this is you know very much the, uh, uh, I guess, the the new Microsoft, as we've seen in, in recent years. That Apps is, and services. Yeah. They're, they're, that is true. They're, um, you know, they're not, not, not so worried about, you know whether Windows is is, no, uh, is the best. They you know they're actually making their money building, uh, you know these apps and services on 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 top of uh, you know anything and 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 everything that's um, you know I guess mainstream. So um, yeah, really really interesting to see. Have no idea what their strategy is around how they do that on iOS because doing um, you know the, what traditional antivirus uh, software has done. Hasn't really been possible on uh, on on iOS or on the iPhone or iPad, uh, so it will be it'll be curious to see what what they actually bring to the table. I mean, I could I could take a guess. Um, you've got a bunch of other security companies like Cloudflare do this with their VPN software, yep. where they will insert a profile into your iPhone, yeah, and then all yeah. your traffic might get redirected to their servers and Goes filtered, and yeah, yeah. Yep. That, yeah, that's certainly um, that's certainly a possibility, isn't it? And I mean, I'm sure there will there will be a number of things that they can bring to the table, but it um, it's un, unlikely to be quite as uh, as deep as what we see on other platforms. Uh, yeah, that that said, to to a pretty um, big degree, your individual uh, apps and and bits and pieces. You know, keep reasonably isolated, but there are certainly things to uh, to look out for. Uh, and then the the other thing, uh, New Zealand related, is that um, the date has been set, March thirtieth, uh, for the five G auction uh, locally. Uh, so that. Uh, Will help us be in a position in New Zealand where 5G is you know, potentially you know much more broadly available. Of course, you know Vodafone already uh, you know pretty heavily uh, invested in that space, and 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 you know Spark as well. Um, but of course, Spark have been just using uh, 5G for. Um, yeah, I guess you 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 would say um, you know some sort of fixed wireless access. They, they don't have it available for um, for mobiles, uh, and yeah, Vodafone. Are, uh, I would say you know reasonably early on in their journey, but they've they've certainly got uh, you know north of um, I don't know what number of cell sites they're up to now, but um, you know in the December time frame they were around a hundred. Um, cell sites, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, once this uh, spectrum has been sliced and 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 diced up, um, and it's just a, I guess this one's just a, a short term, and you know, an auction for a two year uh, sort of window. But uh, I, I think it's you know, it's, it's pleasing to see. I don't want to see New Zealand sort of you know, falling behind on yeah. on connectivity, right? Uh, you know, we are, we, are, we are starting to run into challenges there. 
Um, of course, we, I, you know, when you when you look at it, we probably have a little bit of a, um, you know, a benefit compared to many other countries when we look at our, our, you know, in home and and office uh, access in terms of just. Uh, you know how broadly available the ultrafast broadband um, is, and it would certainly put us, if you know, I guess largish numbers of people had to work from home, as we've seen in, in China. Mm. Uh, I think that experience in New Zealand would be dramatically better um, than what I've heard that it's it's been like in, in China, where things have been you know really uh, you know quite heavily bandwidth constrained at, at times, and it's been a you know, pretty poor. Uh, experience and um, you know, of course, we could look at our um, cousins over in Australia and talk about what their experience might be like. But um, you know, we don't need to bash them today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, on to uh, on to other news. Uh, well, there just seems to be a lot going on from uh, from a cybersecurity uh, perspective and. It's. I guess it's fair to say it's. Uh, it's not all looking that great. Uh, w- one thing I was reading about um, last week, which we've heard things a little bit like this in the past, but um, basically extortionists um, threatening own, th- threatening owners of websites um, with uh, that that are running. Um, Google Google AdSense to, to generate their their revenue. So you know their their ads are basically being uh, being delivered to them uh, via Google and, and Google's paying them. Um, but basically extortionists coming along and threatening those sites that they're going to uh, um, deliver them with with bad traffic. That's really going to mess with their relationship with uh, with Google. You know you you think maybe this is something that Google might be able to filter out as a signal um, because I think they're um, it's fraudulent traffic, right? Which Google already has this line item in their billing for AdSense or payments for AdSense. They say is this is how much we excluded because yeah. of fraudulent traffic. You'd think that maybe Google was already onto it. And yeah, able to I mean, do it was in, about it, it was interesting reading about it because look, if you if you get a communication with that you being threatened like that, surely you can loop Google in. But the risk is if you don't manage to. Uh, you know, communicate that to Google, and then you do get hit at such an extent that then Google sort of blocks your revenue. Then, then you'd be in a in a messy situation. Um, but look, as a as a general rule, you know, I would be uh, be suggesting that you know people don't give in to these sort of uh, folks, and uh, um, you, you just know, enable it's, them more. It's it's, it's, it's not not going to be uh, helpful for anyone. So, yeah, apparently requests sort of. Uh, dem- I mean, the the case I was reading about was talking about uh, requesting US five thousand dollars worth of uh, Bitcoin. Wow. So, um, yeah, not uh, not a not a nice uh, position to be in. But yeah, definitely getting hold of Google. Uh, you know, I think this is this this is an area where uh, where Google would be you know very interested in making sure they get good outcomes uh, for for everyone. So if if you do get hit by that, that would certainly be my recommendation. Uh, now there were a couple of other things on the, um, you know, and that's probably not, you know, not quite in the in the normal cybersecurity area. But um, we had um, about a week or, or or more back. Now, of course, news came through from uh, Generate, who are one of the Kiwi uh, Saver uh, funds. 
around uh, their uh, challenges, shall we say, and that uh, a big chunk of their uh, data was compromised, apparently um, data for 26,000 of their um, uh, people that had their, their KiwiSaver with, with Generate, which So their identity, to, I think, was... Was was it leaked? Yeah. So my understanding is they were uh, they were able to get at um, you know a bunch of of personal uh, information. You know, I think birth dates and you know bits and pieces, physical address, IRD number, wow. um, bank statements, and identification. Now, the yeah, I think you know when you when an organisation is storing. You know, copies of passports and driver's licenses. I mean, personally, I'm really uncomfortable if anyone asks for those documents, and I always try and work out a way not to give them a an electronic copy. And you know, and I've jumped through a, a hoops to how can we avoid this? Unfortunately, with the anti-money laundering rules, I think in many cases they they have to have that. You know, they have to. Um, you know, at a minimum, cite this stuff, but usually there's a there's a whole you know process they have to go through, and they generally end up keeping copies of uh, you know of these uh, these documents. But if I was to join up the dots, and I could be uh, you know completely completely wrong, um, but I guess if 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 I was to guess, and I'll be curious what your thoughts are, they've got about a hundred thousand members, but. 26,000 of them had their data leaked. Yep. I'm wondering whether, hey, this is the online portal. People have gone in, uploaded their stuff, and it's actually just been left sitting there on a yes, you know, server. On, on a web, you know, web server or what have you. Yeah. Uh, there's never That's been so common. any encryption you know, wrapped around that data, or it's just left there. I mean, it, it sounds quite similar uh, to what we what we heard uh, with the Ministry of Heritage and, and Culture, you know, last year. With uh, that was just a you know, WordPress site that um, you know, I guess someone had probably whipped up pretty quickly and a few standard plugins and bloody blah, blah, and uh, you know, hope it works and yeah, probably not particularly well uh, well well secured. I'm I'm guessing, but for what is the tenth or eleventh biggest uh, Kiwi Saver fund in, in New Zealand to get uh, you know caught on that basis? Uh, yeah, doesn't sound very good. Now there could be a, you know a whole lot more to it, but um, I mean data security is a challenge, right? Like yeah. you have we're we, I run a cloud-based company. Um, we deal with a lot of children private identifying information, so like names, email addresses. Um, we always try and minimize the amount of data that we collect. But if you're KiwiSaver, uh, a KiwiSaver fund, then not only do you have to keep all that information, you probably have to keep backups of all that information so that if you lose it, you've got some backup somewhere um, that you don't lose continuity of business. And that's really, it's a huge challenge. And the last thing you want is to go onto Amazon Web Services, you know, their storage platform and check a mark that says encrypt at rest because it does nothing and um, well it does something but very little to hackers like this that might be operating at a different layer so it's you know I feel sorry for them but and also for all the 26,000 people that have their identities leaked that's bad. Yeah, yeah it is and and, you know the the impact of that potentially can 
you know, be last for a, a lifetime, right? So it's not a not a great position to be in. And look, this this stuff isn't you know isn't all you know, easy to address. But I guess what you know, one thing I've um, you know particularly noticed in in the last uh, little while is because um, you know my my technology services firm Gorilla does quite a lot of uh, technology audits and cybersecurity audits as we see often what state a lot of our particularly smaller to medium organizations are in and it, it is it scary it, it just it just blows my mind how shocking uh, it often is and yeah and this is you know many cases where you know, there's a, a well-known, reputable, you know, technology provider, um, you know, in there, but somehow, you know, basics are sort of, you know, slipping, slipping through the cracks. Um, and yeah, I guess it, you know, if you if you think of a, a smaller KiwiSaver provider, not that they're they're tiny. I mean, they've got 1.8 billion dollars. Uh, you know, the, the, in terms of investment, so you know, I wouldn't say that's a particularly uh, tiny, um, you know, organisation. They might not have a lot of people, but uh, yeah, I think I think it's pretty disappointing that they, um, you know, were hit in the way they were hit. Um, and you know, I hope that people heed this, and you know, we start seeing a you know a bit of a step up. And and look, they may have done just about everything right. Um, but that's that's quite possibly not 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 the case based on uh, based on what we know what I, we know so far. I think it comes down to consumers don't really um, they don't go and pick your KiwiSaver based on its security, uh, you know, history or um, you know what its audits say, right? You know, you and me might do that, um, but you know, traditional consumers won't. And I think that's a big problem is like they're not incentivized to. Um, to do those sorts of things well it's going to cost them because they're having to replace those you know for those 26,000 people they have to get them new passports and new driver's license obviously that's a real inconvenience as well for mm. those 26,000 um, individuals they're going to waive their uh, their their KiwiSaver annual fee of $36 a year so you know over a, over a decade you multiply that out by uh, you know your 20 20 six uh what was it twenty six thousand uh you know people times you know well i don't know what the average is but if it was if it was 30 years uh you know you're talking 26 million over that in terms of lost fees um so you know it it stacks up in terms of uh in terms of its impact um so yeah there's a there's a fair bit at stake stake there yeah uh, i would say and uh yeah i i i certainly hope that we do start sort of heating these things and I mean, look, just just the last uh, eight weeks or so, you know, we've been hearing about you know so many incidents, uh, you know, toll, toll holdings as well in New Zealand that got hit, um, especially with elections coming up. So protecting those elections is going to mm, be vital. Mm. Yes, um, actually, talk, talking uh, about elections, there was uh, some interesting uh, news through about. Um, Digital voting and or electronic voting in uh, um, in elections and uh, Microsoft having having a little bit of a um, a role to play here, which was I found quite fascinating because we've talked about this before. 
um, and I think sort of there's 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 this feeling that it would be great if everybody could vote using electronic means, but fair to say that as a as a technologist uh, or as technology people, we've you know generally had a, a pretty um, you know low level of confidence in uh, uh, you know what uh, um, electronic voting can uh, can deliver, and uh, you know I think it's fair to say there've been there have been so many issues, uh, particularly in the US, where you know we've seen them try and have these electronic voting machines, and they've been insecure and unreliable, and you know it just seems like uh, it's it's been a, a load of rubbish. Um, but Microsoft have been been working on uh, an open source uh, project and um, you know the 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 idea is to create um, voting software that uh, uses you know, really strong um, encryption uh, they say they've used some of the the world's brightest um, uh, cryptographers and they've invested extensively in you know in auditing for um, you know security issues and and uh, uh, and so on and they seem to have come up um, if if the news reports are to be uh, believed, with with a pretty good um, uh, approach, and the and the and the way I take it is that uh, this uh, this software, um, which you know available for um, uh, I think um, on GitHub. Um, and they've got a you know bug bounty program in there as well mm-hmm. in conjunction with I think there being you know printed you know printed copies and and a number of ways of of being able to verify votes whilst the votes are still uh, kept secret. Uh, so is this so- sounds like quite a quite a you know quite a reasonable approach if if they've got it right. Certainly compared to the existing. Uh, vendors who are selling these voting machines and have then got their what appears to be dodgy, buggy software uh, sitting on them. What, yeah, I mean, what, do you th- what do you think? You read the story that was in um, on uh, ZDNet. How do you feel? Do you, how much confidence have you got? Um, I I, th- I think people have always been asking for, at least in the tech industry, some sort of open source software that can run because voting software is really just. Um, software that runs on a tablet or on some sort of touchscreen device that you mm. can go and press a button and say who you want to vote for. Yep. But the hard bit is not just the cryptography and the security, but also usability. Yep. Um, the last thing you want is to have poor usability causing people to unintentionally vote for the wrong person. Not good. And not that's good. happened in the past. Yeah, yeah. And you got to drop down, and you've you know you forget to change the default entry, so yeah. whoever's in the top one gets the most votes. Yeah, not good, not good. Um, yeah, so I'll read out the um, the key piece that uh, that described how how it would work. Um, first, a voter will select candidates on a touch screen and verify their choices. Second, the voter will print and review for accuracy a paper ballot and then simultaneously receive a separate tracking code. Um, third, the voter will deposit their ballot into a ballot box for counting. So you've not only got that electronic copy, you've also still got 
the traditional paper copy. So from an auditing uh, perspective, that you've you've got both covered. It's not just a, a purely um, you know electronic solution. Obviously, that still means someone has to go into a, into a voting booth. It's not you know do it do it on your uh, phone. But not yet. If, if this if this works well and you know, I don't know whether other people will uh, will jump in on board and uh, you know and and contribute. But uh, yeah, it sounds like we 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 maybe we will head towards a future where we can get this stuff uh, um, right. And there was a um, just, an Xbox component that you, yeah. you mentioned. I mean, I I just wonder with all this this hardware that we've got, you know, our phones, Google's got a security chip, Apple's got a T two chip. Whether you can. Sp- find a way to securely you know use that chip in such a way that you can go and cryptographically go and submit a ballot from from your phone yeah um, yeah yeah well I, I don't know enough about encryption to know but that could be really cool yeah the yeah and and then they had a something about an xbox accessory uh for accessibility yeah um, to to it's quite cool allow people to i guess with you know, motor dysfunctions or whatever have you to to be able to submit a vote without needing to use those machines. That's very cool. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So the Xbox Adaptive Controller, I think, um, is designed for yeah gamers with with you know limited mo- mobility. Um, and yeah, if if they can uh, offer that as well, all the, all the better. So we will we will see. Um, Yes, again, it's a bit of the sort of the, the the new Microsoft, isn't it? When they're producing open source software and uh, you know making, making it's it a whole new world. It's like <laughs> what? <laughs> um, but we we you know we keep seeing uh, yeah more more and more of this uh, stuff uh, go, going on. Hey, if the the software runs on Azure, then they're making money. So yeah, that's true. That's true. There's always going to be going to be a. Um, a, a, a revenue angle in there from uh, from one aspect or another. Um, now, something that's been in the media for a little while, haven't um, discussed it, but I, I you know picked up some news again on it in the in the um, in the last few days is uh, the sale of um, by the. Uh, um, uh, ISOC or Internet um, Society um, of the .org namespace. So mm. you know this is all about being able to register uh, .org uh, domain names. And look, I you know possibly own a own a, own a few myself in there amongst uh, um, you know a, a few uh, a few domain names. Um, so who are they selling to? Yeah, well, this this is um, yeah, this is interesting. So, um, the proposed purchaser, uh, Ethos Capital, were paying, and I'm wondering if the um, was it around 1.13 uh, billion US dollars. But there's been a whole lot of sort of murkiness around this whole arrangement, and um, it's now come out that. Um, the advisory council to uh, the Internet Society have, um, yeah, basically been saying no. You should, you should halt this. It looked like it was very much uh, a done deal. Uh, in fact, I saw locally Lance Wiggs did a whole blog post about it from a you know a financial um, 
consideration and what he thought it was actually worth. So um, that that was worth worth a read if you're you know, interested in drilling into a little bit more. But uh, yeah, I thought maybe this thing was all, all going and um, going to happen. Um, but this suggests it's, there's a there's still a, a vote to come, and it and it and it may not be quite such a uh, a, a done deal. Uh, looks like uh, Ethos Capital have come out now also and offered to uh, lock the price down because the concern was uh, to raise prices. Yeah, yeah. You, you you sell this thing off to uh, you know a private equity firm, and then they work out well how do we how do we make more uh, more money out of that. Um, on that front, actually, uh, we've probably got a few uh, listeners who use LastPass. Uh, so LastPass got bought by LogMeIn, and then certainly the, the business-type prices, I think, doubled. Yes. Um, I'm a LastPass user. Right. Okay. So you got hit with that. Well, now LogMeIn, which includes LastPass, have got bought by um, another uh, oh, really? private equity firm. Um, so, so someone um, told me today. Anyway, I haven't read the details myself, um, uh, but yeah, one of the team here mentioned that you know, yes, ownership's changed, and guess what? Another big price rise. Wow! Um, so, uh, there's only so long you can do that stuff for, right? Oh, I'm just <laughs> glad CIA doesn't own LastPass. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's hope not. You, you don't always know who stands behind these uh, firms, do you? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think the CIA certainly uh, made some uh, sneaky, sneaky investments in the past. Uh, you know, I don't know if you can ever be, you know, a hundred percent sure, and then. Uh, you know, depending on which country you're in, um, you know, potent or, or the, the the software or the the, the vendor is from, um, you know, depend, depending on what their uh, local pressures are like from military and spies and whatnot, that can make a difference. I don't know how much confidence we can have in any of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we open source, right? You can roll your own. Um, yes, you can use something like Bitwarden and run your own Bitwarden RS server. Um, which, which, not, which not, will not easy for your standard consumer, but uh, there are the cert- there are certainly the, yeah options out there, aren't there? Which is yeah. is is good. Yeah, certainly on that password front, there's a, there's there are you know a raft of other other products, uh, but I think that you know the, these reasons why you know a lot of people use LastPass. You know, it wasn't you know just the first you know product of its kind to uh, you know gain a gain a reasonable following. It's, you know, actually, pretty pretty good product, uh, and and works quite well both in the sort of consumer situations and mm. and and in business situations. But uh, yeah, not not so great when um, if the prices get uh, get too sky high. I haven't had a look at them myself, so I'm not uh, not not too sure uh, how crazy all that's getting. Uh, now, iOS uh, 14. I was reading. Uh, a piece in The Verge actually on um, and and I guess it was an opinion piece from um, Tom Warren in the UK who's been been on the, on the show um, in the past uh, and uh, he uh, I guess was sort of drawing some lines in terms of com- comparing. How much of a wall guard in the Apple uh, world is versus Android, mm-hmm. and suggesting that maybe with iOS fourteen we will we will see them, 
you know, drop some of those walls a little bit. And uh, as someone who uses both iOS and Android, certainly there's there's a little bit of an annoyance in that on on your, on an iPhone, uh, you can't replace the default calendar, the default email. Uh, you you can certainly run you know other products, Gmail and Outlook and 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 so on. But uh, you know you click on a on a mail link and it's going to take you yeah. uh, to Apple Mail. And I mean just it just wastes my time basically because you know Apple Mail is not what you know where my main uh, email lies. So uh, yeah, I I hope that. Um, that Tom Warren's onto uh, onto something here, and uh, that that we you know we see we see a few changes, and of course, Apple has come under some some pressure, some antitrust investigations. I you know, know um, and and it mentioned around uh, you know Spotify and and sort of the, the way Tile and all um, those other companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Tile are, are um, you know they've they've done a great job to um, you know to build uh, out this. Um, what would you call it? Sort of, you know, an, an ecosystem for for tracking things. And you know, in fact, the um, I, I talked a, a few weeks ago about um, the new HP Dragonfly um, that I was trialling. Now, there's a they've already iterated, and there's a there's a new one uh, about to become available uh, as well locally. And that one has Tile built in, and we're starting to see all oh, these wow. products that have got. You know the tile tech built in, so you're you've got a, uh, and the more things that it happens to, the more people get on board with that platform, the more mm. likely you are to be able to you know track something that you've lost because a lot of people are running the app. Um, it's and so to, convenient. Yeah, it is, it is convenient. Um, the, I guess there's also an aspect that it's one of those things where there's a natural monopoly, but of course. Uh, you know, because if you're trying to start something else and hardly anyone's running your app, that's not going to work very well. Uh, but of course, it looks like Apple are going to go in and, and do their own thing as, uh, as as well. So yeah, they're um, the the way Apple sort of operates is, um, you know, increasingly sort of come, coming under attack. And the other one was around. Um, you know them having a a monopoly on the uh, the app store. Which if you look at Android, it's you know you can have other app stores, uh, but of course on on iOS you you don't have uh, too much choice. And of course, in most cases, Apple is taking a thirty percent you know cut of people's revenue, which is is what creates those hassles for you know anyone that tries to uh, buy you know audio books from Audible or buy you know Amazon stuff Netflix it's, it's yeah, just the big Netflix one where they remove the uh, sign up here yeah, button it's just messy and confusing right but yeah. uh, they've got to you know follow follow these uh, the, the, these rules and look it's business for Apple um, and it's worked out rather well they've you know built pretty much the biggest business on the on the planet, uh, and and you know, often um, you know, off the back of that that success for uh, you know of the iPhone. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this pans out. Certainly, hope uh, you know Apple will will play a little bit friendlier with uh, with other bits and pieces and lower those barriers with iOS fourteen. You wonder whether they're because of those competitive pressures that you antitrust pressures that you mentioned. Um, whether they're leaking that information out just to try and get ahead of it. 
Yeah, yeah, it's um well, yeah, you could you you could be right. It um it might might help yeah, take a little bit of that heat off, you reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Um now Oh, one last thing before we uh, bef- before we hear a little bit about uh, Cami, um, I'm I, f- I find this uh, new world of uh, drones that can carry people. That's what I, I tend to call them, uh, VTOLs or vertical takeoff and landing craft, being the more uh, official uh, terminology. Uh, quite interesting. And I was catching up with uh, a friend from uh, Singapore was in was in town a few days ago and he was talking about uh, volocopter and how they've you know they've got all this uh, activity uh, going on in uh, in Singapore and uh, lo and behold uh, yeah there's been um, you know more news coming through and apparently they're teaming up with uh, uh, with grab and this and grab of course are the uh, I guess Uber alternative that's uh, you know very common across uh, uh, across Asia. across Asia and you know of course in, in lots of countries um, you know, Grab is your only option. You don't have uh, Uber as a as an option. They bought out Uber uh, at all. Yeah, there in was an countries. agreement to yeah buy it out, but it's not everywhere. So when I went to uh, when I was in Taipei, for instance, you could use Uber in Taipei, but you you couldn't in yeah. um, say Philippines and so on. So uh, yeah, so yeah, interesting to see this uh, uh, activity going on, and uh, yeah, they're 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 um, uh, their their vehicles, um, they they I guess they, they look quite similar in many ways to a traditional helicopter except it's something like uh, yeah, 18 uh, rotors and so yeah it'll be um, it'll be it'll be pretty interesting to see how it develops there um, they're, they're talking about setting up dozens of they're calling them volo ports across Singapore uh, with each each with the capacity to handle ten thousand passengers a day. Wow. I mean, this is this is you know definitely um, you know that would be really a, a pretty impressive level if they can get to uh, to to that sort of level. You know, multiply that out by dozens, and you're talking, yeah, you know, potentially, you know, well over you know you could have over a hundred thousand passengers a day. Flying now, I haven't quite worked out that from a airspace perspective and all the other uh, aspects, but um, it could be amazing for the traffic jams. It would just transform things, wouldn't it? Yeah, especially around. Uh, well, Auckland at the moment is crazy from a traffic perspective. I've been. I don't know what it must be costing uh, the economy as well as the mental health issues it causes when you know people are you know <laughs> stuck in their cars for you know. Uh, hour or two a day to you know often travel quite short distances so um, not that it's it's just Auckland that has those issues but with all the roadworks and changes going on at the moment it is um, it's the worst I can I can remember it ever yeah it's sometimes you know I travel a lot and drive a lot in Asia and um, 
whenever I go there and drive, I come back, I'm like, wow, this is no different. Mm. This is exactly like it, it is driving out in the Philippines or, or yeah. something else. Yeah. A lot, just a lot no. faster. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I remember when, when Uber, you know, started here, I, I think the minimum fare was something like, you know, $5.50 or, mm. or something, you know, certainly reasonably early on, around that price point. And, and you know, from, from our office um, at Studio near K Road, yeah, you could, you kind of get, you know, you get downtown for, for that minimum minimum fare and, uh, uh, in some cases. Um, but uh, the other day um, I heard about one of our team, you know, catching uh, an Uber at you know, similar sort of distance, but the fare was more than 10 times that. Wow. Um, so $70? So um, something, yeah, something like that. So, you know, getting what used to cost 5 or $6 or yeah. whatever. Well, if you're stuck um, in traffic for like 30 minutes or 40 minutes, yeah, I believe yeah, I mean, you. you, you got you got to pay the drivers, right? And, yeah. you know, yeah, it's important that we that we make sure people are, are paid enough. But the the issue here is, is around... Yeah, just how long it's taking. So, yeah, if you could just go uh, straight point to point, um, yeah, yeah, that might cost seventy dollars to fly it, but you're going to get there a whole lot quicker. I'd I'd pay the uh, seventy dollars rather than sit in a uh, Uber for you know thirty to sixty minutes. So here's a question for you: Would you trust a helicopter flying above your head versus, let's say, a tunnel that has been drilled point to point for you to go from A to B? Well, I think yeah, your tunnel uh, and and a sort of ground or underground transport you would expect to to be uh, safer than a traditional helicopter. But once the technology is right and mature, I would like to think that um, you know these these vertical takeoff and landing craft will provide uh, similar safety to what we see in, in commercial aircraft, which is you know, safer than normal uh, car travel. Mm. Of course, alongside that, we've got you know, autonomous technologies and a lot of you know, safety technologies from you know, varying, varying firms. So um, you know, overall, hopefully, it all gets really safe and, and you just pick what's right without having to even think about the safety, right? Yeah, you don't have to think about whether that, that thing was serviced and whether something will fall on your head. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's certainly, I think, a lot to be said for, yeah, that ele- electric, um, you know, that move to electric, which is, you know, really what we're talking about with these, um, you know, most of these vertical takeoff and landing uh, type craft. And, of course, that, that really brings down the, the uh, maintenance requirements. Mm-hmm. And if you've got 18 rotors as opposed to one, uh, yeah, one can yeah, go wrong. There's, there's, That's know, fine. You're, you're you're in a you're in a much safer uh, uh, vehicle, but you know, maybe not to start with. But I would I would I would tend to imagine if they've if they've done their job right and they put these things in the air, uh, they should be pretty safe from the from the get go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right. So um, tell us about Cami. Now, how do you spell Cami? For those that are wanting to go and Google it or look up your website, let's just K- cover that one. K-A-M-I. Excellent. Okay. And you guys are, is it kamiapp.com? Yes. Yep. And it okay. means paper in Japanese. Okay. I did not know that. Okay. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit about the business. You know, when, when uh, your founder and, and CEO, how did, how did it all come about? Yeah, my founders and I, we were, um, this is when new form factor devices were all coming out and we were spending all of our money, all of our savings buying them and lining up to, you know, buy the latest iPad, et cetera. And 
um, it was then that we started to take notes and realize, oh, there's really no good software to take our notes, to do our study, to collaborate with, with each other, um, to ask each other questions, uh, you know, when we're cramming for exams. And that's when we decided we got to do something about it. So um, it was from that point that we started coding up our own solution as engineers would do. Um, and we we just started making it, sharing it amongst our our class and everyone started using it um when we launched it um there were a lot of teachers in particular that wanted to also adopt this in their classroom and that's when we realized oh there must be something here so we redeveloped it redesigned it from scratch to be something a lot more generic and adoptable by the mass market and when we launched it most of our users started coming from overseas uh, surprisingly, so we had never advertised. We don't we don't have any money early on, right? We had <laughs> no course. investment dollars. Um, right. We were eating ramen noodles and everything, and um, but we had all these Not, really wrong with that. <laughs> uh, At and, least it's the only thing you're eating. Yeah, um, and we would when we launched it, it it just blew our minds that there were people willing to use the software, however bad it was. You know, it had no. I had no log out button, had no forget my password at that point. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but people were willing to use it to solve a problem that they had. And that really showed us that there was a real problem here that these people, these teachers encountered. And it was basically they had all these documents and worksheets and resources that they want to give to the kids, but there was no easy piece of software for them to be able to do that and have these kids also complete the work collaborate with the teacher, do group projects, to engage with, with, with each other, have conversation, um, that software just didn't exist. So we were the best solution, and they were just going everywhere and trying everything. And um, that's that's how we started. So today we have almost 8 million uh, sign-ups and users all around the world. Congratulations. Most of them, thank you, uh, are in the United States. Um, our staff headquarters is here up in Parnell, um, but we have staff all around the world as well that help us and support the, the software. And um, it's getting used predominantly in kindergarten to grade 12 um, schools, and they use it because they've got devices already, um, so you've got Chromebooks coming into New Zealand schools. Uh, the rest of the world has something similar, and these all, all of these devices need software to run and wear that that replacement for for paper. That's great. So that's why our company is yeah. called Paper in yeah. Japanese. And so um, there's a there's a, a free level of the software, and then there's a paid level. How's how's that journey going to you know, convert your uh, you know as many of your user base as possible onto you know, onto a paid um, you know sub- subscription? And it's uh, obviously key to your success, isn't it? Yeah, it's. It's it's a freemium based product, so there's always a free version available forever. It's ads free, so as a teacher or a student, you can start using it right away. And um, for a lot of these people who are just you know adopting technology for the first time, that's the free version will work absolutely great for them. But as they start to get more advanced with the use case, um, let's say they want to implement video or audio annotation into their um, into their class and exercises. Um, or if they want to use things like text-to-speech or dictionaries built into the Kami app, then that's sort of when you get to a point where you upgrade sure. to our software. Yeah. So um, we've got a, an amazing paid version of Kami that's getting adopted throughout lots of school districts in the U.S. So we have um, 
over one and so one in every seven schools in the US are actively using Cami already. That's great. And um, tell us a little bit about that sort of startup journey, raising funds, and you know those, those sorts of things. How's uh, how does that look? Um, very first time we were we raised very minuscule amount of money um, from someone who just finished up, uh, came to New Zealand, wanted to retire and start an accelerator program. So we raised ten thousand dollars from him, and that lasted surprisingly six months. Uh, this is where rent was a lot cheaper and everything else was a lot cheaper. Well done. <laughs> um, and uh, afterwards, we we really went on this journey where we were working full-time somewhere else um, and working on this part-time, trying to get it off the ground. And we really started raising our first round of capital um, back in around 2014, 2015-ish time period. And... And how much did you raise at that that stage? Half a million dollars. Yeah. So it wasn't yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, it lasted us. You know, we we're still paying ourselves peanuts at that point. We didn't have many staff. It was just really a couple of us uh, working away. And um, so that lasted about, I believe, one and a half years to two years until we raised our second round of funding, which is of a similar amount. And since then, we've just been growing off of the back of the the cash flow that we've been generating so we've been able to obtain sort of venture level growth um on the back of our own cash flow which is a pretty amazing achievement um we're fairly capital efficient luckily we don't have to pay you know the exorbitant rates that you have at in silicon valley for engineers um it's a lot a little bit cheaper here in new zealand and um and it was only until beginning of last year that we raised a proper round of capital yeah. That was one and a half million New Zealand dollars, um, and that has you know helped us propel the growth of the company in the, in the United States quite a bit. Um, and globally now, we've got users all around the world, in particular you know Asia Pacific. Yep. Now, for um, you know any listeners that are maybe on on their own sort of similar journey, what would what would be your uh, biggest tip or tips that you could share? Um, be hungry and be frugal. You know, hustle, hustle your way through, you know, everything that you possibly could to get to where you want to be. Um, don't give up on your vision early just because it's not working on the first try. That doesn't mean you shouldn't try again. And, um, you know, the final piece of advice is launch globally from day one, which is what we did. And that's where we found our core audience uh, overseas. That's great. Fantastic. Oh, well, it's been uh, been really good to... Um you know, to hear those insights. Now, um, when I was um, uh, contacted by um, by your executive chairman, uh, he mentioned that you were finding um, a, u- a use case um, tied in uh, with um, what's happening in Hong Kong, where you know not only in, in China and Hong Kong um, we have a lot of people uh, working from home. Mm-hmm. But there's schools closed and the like. So, you know, how's how's um, uh, Cami working in that case? Yeah, so schools have been closed for um, over a month now in a lot of different places around mm. that that region. And you know, a lot of these kids um, are trying to learn from like television, um, from any form of online resource that they can find. And these teachers are also struggling to find um, a tool for them to enable remote learning. So um, they're trying everything. And 
one of the tools that best fits that use case is Kami because it allows them to collaborate with each other in real time yep. um, on a document, lets them leave video, audio annotations, draw on it. So it really just easily, seamlessly replaces paper. Yep. And um, so a lot of these people started to try out our product and then started showing each other when we picked up on it. By that point, we decided it's now it's in everyone's best interest to just make our entire product free for any schools that are affected by coronavirus. Um, if their school are, schools are shut down, we'll give it to them for free. And you know the response has been amazing so far. We've got tens of schools that have signed up in the last 24 hours. Um, it's the rate of which is growing. There's a huge amount of word of mouth um, going on right now. And you know our hope is that they can continue to resume their classes like they would normally with minimum disruption so that they can get still get ready for the exams and high stake tests that's great yeah because the, the you know the impact if you know they're, they're not able to you know have some sort of normality uh, is, is pretty big right yeah you know, people whether it's you know missing exams or um, yeah I guess is you know the, the, there's all sorts of aspects there so um, yeah that's great good initiative. Thank you. Cool, um, cool. Oh, it was de- yeah, definitely good. To, good to um, yeah, get a message through from um, from Bob Drummond to uh, um, you know alert me what you're up to. And look, I, I mentioned it to other listeners too. If you know if you're involved in um, you know a tech firm that's doing something uh, cool and interesting out there, um, you know feel feel free to uh, to to get in touch. Uh, it's certainly you know great to hear about what what's happening um, with with. You know, top-notch Kiwi Kiwi innovation, and um, yeah, been been really good to uh, to hear today about Kemi. Uh, so yeah, thank, thank you. you. Um, hey, thanks everybody for uh, for listening in. Uh, just a reminder, you can. Um, you can track us down uh, online across uh, most of the uh, the, the social media um, platforms. Uh, we are now on LinkedIn. That's quite new. Uh, so if you're on LinkedIn, then uh, go and search for NZ Tech Podcast and uh, uh, hit follow. And uh, you know we'll keep you in the in the loop with uh, uh, episodes and you know other bits and bits and pieces of uh, of content. So um, yeah, thank you. All for listening in, and um, of course, a special thanks to our show partners that actually uh, make the show uh, possible: uh, Samsung, HP, uh, Sumo Logic, uh, Vodafone, Vocus, and Spark. So it's really great having those uh, those firms standing behind um, you know the innovation and um, you know tech community within uh, within New Zealand and uh, for supporting the show so uh, big shout out to to them um, now um, Henji where do people uh, where do people track you down if they want to uh, get in touch so I've got a Twitter uh, handle it's my first name uh, H-E-N-G-J-I-E Henji W uh, and if you want to track down the company it's use Cami app uh, on Twitter and also on all other social media sort of channels. Excellent. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having uh, me. Have a great week ahead. And we'll catch everybody again next week. All right. See ya. Take care. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology. 
proactive and strategic IT.